So I'm going to talk about something today that I, I, I normally don't talk about. So uh, Adonai is faithful to reach into our hearts with a word. And uh, with this word, I'm going to reach into a place that I normally don't reach into, and that is your wallets. <laughs> Now, Mishkan is a funny place, you know. We have zero needed expenses. Um, if, 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 if income in the Mishkan went to zero, zero, our Shabbats would happen without, without a hitch. If we can't pay here, we would meet somewhere. I trust the Lord will open up a home, a park, a driveway, a field, a backyard, a garage. There's not a, a penny that Mishkan David needs to have a Shabbat service. And my heart breaks for pastors who feel the need to talk about like tithing and things like that when there's could be a root of selfishness in it where it's not necessarily about a blessing for the giver but more of like we need this in the ministry kind of thing and may I never come forward in that way so I'm going to talk about the T word tithing boo because Tithing, 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 tithing. Which in Hebrew is the ma'aser. Al knows. The ma'aser is the tenth, or the tithe, and uh, it, it briefly touches on it in this week's Torah portion. Now, many people think that tithing is just giving 10% of your income, I'm going to go through what tithing is from a Torah perspective, which might be very different from what you're used to. And if you think 10% is a strain, watch out. So, so the 10th is the ma'aser. It's, it's uh, the 10th, the tithe. And uh, most people don't realize. Now, we know how the Torah is in cycles. There's a weekly cycle, and a monthly cycle, and a yearly cycle, and a seven-yearly cycle, and a 50-yearly cycle. I mean, everything in the Torah is very cyclical. And then it starts again. Well, what people don't realize is that tithing is actually a cyclical thing. And I'm going to explain what Torah-based tithing is, which might be different from what you're used to. So, number one, there is the first tithe, which is the Maser Harishon. That is the first tithe. That is listed in Scripture, and that is when we give 10% of our abundance to the priest. Now, this is what happened in the Torah. Now, in the Torah, the Torah is the government of Israel. Okay? It's not just the book of laws. It's actually the self-governing book. It's the constitution of the land of Israel when they're self-governing. Okay? This is not what it looks like when they're 
under the 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 you know the the, the yoke of Rome or Babylon or or even today when it's become more of a secular nation like the United States just kind of making laws and and wrestling with that and figuring out the who's and the what's and and, and that's that's quite a blessing actually and it's it's one thing that I I actually like and enjoy about American government and that it's it it it's it wrestles with itself and it tries to figure itself out. You know, and, and for eight years we have a, a particular president who goes one way and then all of a sudden we get a president who swings this way and if people don't like that, well, they can vote him out. You know, and, and it, it, America figures out its path. And that, that's kind of cool. Um, and that's the way Israel is these days, modern Israel. But in the Bible, the Torah is the actual constitution of the land. It's, it's, it's the laws of the land. There's no taxing to a government. It is the government. So the tithes are actually like the tax, right? And, and the things that we read in the Torah, this is, it's like when the Torah says, like, leave the edges of your field for, for, the, for the stranger and for, the, you know, yeah, for, other, for other people that, you know, that aren't part of Israel, just don't, don't touch the edges. That, that's, like, that's like government-mandated charity. It's like welfare. It's this, the Torah is the government of Israel. It's, it's the way that the, the, the government worked, okay? But once Israel, they sinned, and then they, had, they were under the yoke of Babylon and Rome and, and these other systems, and so that goes away. Uh, but in, based on the Torah, it's, it's, it's the governmental system. So, um, so we have the first tithe, the, the Maser HaRishon, which is giving the 10% to the priests. Now, the priests, that was like the primary governing body, as we know that, right? So they operated in Jerusalem in the temple and, or in the tabernacle before there was a temple, and that's where the 10% went. It was like, it was their income, essentially, and the people were commanded to give it. And, and the tithe was critically important to God. It calls it in Scripture, like, the devoted portion, it's actually considered to be God's. This is not your income, and you're just giving 10% of your income to a, like a ministry purpose or something like that. In Torah, the 10% was never yours anyway. It's actually God's. It's, it belongs to God. It, it's never, it wasn't yours. It's never yours. It's not supposed to be yours. It actually belongs to God. And we give 10% to the, to the priest in that Torah function when there was a temple standing. And in, the, in this week's Torah portion, here's a Bible. I... So it's in Deuteronomy 26. where it speaks about um, some things pertaining to the tithe. So the first tithe, like I said, is, goes to the priest, okay? There is a second tithe. Did you ever hear me? Hello. There is a second tithe, which is called <laughs> the, the, the Maser um, Hasheni. The second tithe. 
So that's also spoken about in Torah. And it's interesting, when you read about the second tithe in Torah, it says that when you go to Jerusalem, you're supposed to use this money for eating and drinking and buying. And that's kind of weird because the, what, what happened? That the tenth goes to the priest, not to me. But then there's this other tithe where it says you're supposed to use it. So the second tithe in Torah is actually your savings funds for when you go up to Jerusalem for the holidays. It's like biblical mandated vacation plan, vacation savings. That's the second tithe. You're supposed to use it for yourself when you go up to Jerusalem and make Aliyah for the festivals. And it says if, it's, if, if you live too far from Jerusalem and the, your, your, your grapes and your figs and your pomegranates will go bad, you're allowed to sell it and just bring money. And once you're in Jerusalem, just spend it and on whatever you want and rejoice. Well, that sounds good. People are like, okay, I get that. I get that. The third tithe. The third tithe, which is the Maser Ani, is actually taken once every three years. So the Torah cycle is a seven-year cycle. So there's seven years, six years Shemitah, you know, the seventh year, six years Shemitah. So the third year, sixth year, third year, sixth year, you take this third tithe, and that goes to the poor and the widows and the orphans. So that is true biblical tithing. So if you think that 10% stinks, try 30%. But the tithe, the whole tithe, is, I, is so important to God because he considers it his. Now, all these things, these three tithes, they're meant to be taken to the temple. The temple is not necessarily the synagogue, okay? So the, the Torah is based on there being a centralized temple with high priests working and all these things, and then once God took that away, Judaism said, well, what are we going to do now? And they, they kind of turned it into like, well, okay, well, we have synagogues, so the synagogue gets the tithe now. But purely in the Bible, in Torah, it's supposed to go to the temple, but there's no temple, right? We're not going to Jerusalem these days for the holiday, so do you really have to do it, right? And the answer is no, in fact. So when the children of Israel were punished by God and the temple was destroyed and they went to Babylon, they didn't tithe. They had, there was nowhere to give their tithe to. There was no priest. That's where they gave it to. Now the priests are gone. The temple's gone. There's nowhere to give it to. Okay, but the, 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 the essence of, of 10% actually belonging to God, I think is pervasive even throughout the Bible. In fact, Abraham tithed before there was even Torah. So this part, uh, this, this 10%, this maser, belongs to God. And, and you know, it, and even Yeshua, I believe, said how important it, it is. He was admonishing the, the, the Pharisees, and the, they said, he said, you Pharisees, you, you give all your tithes, you give your mint, and your dill, and all this stuff, you do that just right, but you're neglecting the weightier matters, which you need to do without neglecting the first. And also, they came to him with a little trick question, 
And they said, you know, is it, is it kosher? Is it legal? Is it lawful for us to give the, the tax to Caesar? And Yeshua answered, why are you testing me? Now, testing God... Now, a lot of people know the verse about testing God in the prophet Malachi, the Italian prophet Malachi. Because he says, you know, open up, you know, just test me on this and I'll open up the windows from heaven, you know, to, you know, give to the storehouse, I'll test me on this. The whole testing of God in tithing actually comes from this week's Torah portion. Because the tithe after we go through the whole cycle of the tithe, the first tithe, the second tithe, the third tithe, and the third year, we're actually supposed to make a declaration, a test. And here it says um, in uh, 26, Deuteronomy 26, verse 13, Then you will say in the presence of the Lord your God, I have taken the consecrated portion out of my house. I've given it to the Levite, to the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, according to all the commandments you gave me. I have not violated or forgotten your commandments. I have not eaten any of it while in mourning or removed it while unclean or offered any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the Lord. I have done all you commanded me. Now the test. Look down from your holy dwelling from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Essentially, it is saying this. You give all your tithes, and you go, okay, God. I mean, it's a commandment to do this. Okay, God. I have not done anything with your portion, your holy portion. I haven't used it. I haven't eaten it. I haven't wallpapered my house with it. I haven't done a thing with it. I didn't use it when I was feeling sick. I didn't use it when I just needed to go somewhere. I didn't use it in any cases of emergency. I didn't use it to bury my relative. Here it is. And I'm giving it according to your commandment. And now, Adonai, pour out your blessing upon Israel. So that is the test. It's in the Torah. So when the Italian prophet Malachi said, test me on this, it's actually Torah where that comes from. Okay? So again, I don't really see how we, you know, we can think, okay, I don't know, if there's a, a first tithe, a second tithe, and then every three years there's a third tithe. I mean, how do we incorporate this? I, I don't know. I, I completely leave that between you and the Lord, but I do feel that, that, that the 10th portion is a holy portion. It belongs to God. I, I do believe that. I believe that it belongs to God. But there's another cycle to the tithe, and it speaks about this in this week's Torah portion, and that is the offering called Bikurim. No, not Bikurim. Bikurim. And Bikurim means the offering of the first fruits. So remember, we went through our cycle of tithing and testing God. Okay, God. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to do that with any other commandment. We don't say, okay, God, I just kept my Shabbat. Bless me. 
But he asks us, it's, he commands us, commands us to do it with the tithe. Okay, here I'm doing it. I'm keeping it. So that is the, the tithing along with the test. Then comes the first fruits. In the spring, every person, native Israelite, foreigner, are supposed to take the first fruits. The first fruit is not a tithe. It's the simplest thing. You have a piece of land. You got a, a grape vine. Winter is coming to an end. Spring is coming. You see a little grape blossom start to come up. And you say, aha, that's the first. You mark it. And that's it. You have an apple tree. The first apple that comes up, that's the first fruit. You mark it. And then on the holiday of Shavuot, which is also called Yom Habikarim, the day of first fruits, you take your first fruits, which is like one grape, one apple, one pomegranate, one fig, one olive. You put it in a basket and you bring it to the priest. Now this is not any sort of challenge. It's a challenge to give 10%. That's a, that's a stretch of our faith. But the first fruits giving is not a stretch of faith. It's one grape. It's one apple. It's just the first of it. Okay? And we put it in the basket, and we go to the priest, and we make another declaration. And we say the following, and this is where I want to focus what I'm talking about. When you bring the first fruits, you have to say the following. And this changes everything. My father was a wandering Aramean. This is 26, starting in verse 5. You are to respond by saying in the presence of the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt with few people and lived there. There he became a great, powerful, and populous nation. But the Egyptians mistreated and afflicted us and forced us to do hard labor. So we called out to Adonai, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our cry and saw, saw our misery, hardship, and oppression. Then the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, with terrifying power, with signs and wonders. He led us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I have now brought the first of the land's produce to you, Lord, that you, Lord, have given me. You then place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down. You, the Levite and the foreigner resident among you, will rejoice." In all the good things the Lord has given you and your household. So what essentially what is this? We've been testing God. Okay, God. Okay, God. And, and many of us do that. And it's a challenge for so much of us, you know, because like we, we look at our lives and we think like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm struggling so much financially and I, I, I feel like I've been faithful and, and, and testing God. But there's a part of it that's missing, and the part that's missing is in the spring, there is this first fruits offering when you make a declaration that essentially says, essentially says, 
my father's really, really struggled. My family has nothing. And I suffered bitterly with oppression. But you, God, rescued me with your mighty hand and outstretched arm. And because you have kept your promise to me, I give you the first fruits of the land. You see, the first fruits is not a, an offering of, of much monetary value. It's the one grape. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you have this huge orchard or all you have in your possession is one grapevine. You still say the same proclamation. My family had a tough. And I had a tough. But you, oh God, came to the rescue. And I acknowledge that with thanksgiving. And I offer the first fruits to you as an, as, as an acknowledgement that you, Lord, have kept your promise. And everybody has to do that. That's part of the tithing cycle. There's the testing God. Okay, God, I did it. You're going to test me. And then there's the time in the spring where we say, you have fulfilled it. And we don't do that. We don't say, thank you, Adonai. You have fulfilled your promise. Because we think of it in, in, in ways that is not the Lord. You see, when, when we test God, when we give the tithe, it doesn't say, okay, I'm doing it, now bless me. It says, bless Israel. It's for all of, all of us. But individually, in the spring, we go and give our first fruits. Now, how do we give the first fruits? I, I don't know. I'm not even sure how possible it is. We don't have vineyards. We don't have grapevines or whatever it is. I mean, yeah, you go to a new job. You know how, like, in restaurants you see their first dollar bill on the wall? That's the first fruit. So if you get a new job, yeah, you could take your first fruit and do that. But essentially, the first fruit offering is an offering of acknowledgement and thanksgiving and gratitude for what he's done for you. And that is lacking but that's part of the tithing cycle. To say, God, you have fulfilled your promise to me and my fathers. See, that would be like me going, my granddad came here from Eastern Europe avoiding anti-Semitism. And he came here with nothing. And he pushed a fruit cart in Brooklyn, New York to make a buck. And my dad went to college on loans so he could do something with his life. And God has been faithful to my family. And now here I am. I have a job. And I have a home. And I have a wife. And you, God, have fulfilled your promise to me. And that acknowledgement is part of this whole giving cycle. We forgot how to have gratitude for what God has given you right now. Not what he's going to give you. Not what he's going to give you. We get a lot of prayer. We want a lot of prayer for getting us out of our current situation and making it better. 
the Bikurim first fruits offering is saying, I thank you, Adonai, for fulfilling your promise already. For giving me what I have. Remember, the person with the full orchard that has a full basket of a grape and a pomegranate and an apple and a, and a fig and, a, and, a, and, a, and an olive has the same declaration as the one that just has a basket with one olive in it. It's independent of how much you have. The declaration that, Lord, you have fulfilled your promise. And I see it because I see where I came from. How many of us have a story of where we came from? How many of us are thankful for where he's taken you to, us to, today? Not tomorrow, but today. That is the offering of the first fruits. It is the acknowledgement that he has taken you out of slavery, of oppression, of hardship with that long arm, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm. And we're thankful for it. And that is the full giving cycle according to Torah. And when we are thankful for what he's given us today, and acknowledging, like he even he says it's a commandment to not forget where you came from. He says, forget not. He says, the day is coming where you're going to think you did all this stuff yourself. And you're going to forget me. He commands us to, to look at our history. Look at where we came from. Say it out loud to him. And say, you have brought me out of this. And because you have fulfilled your promise, I give you my first fruits. So, Father, help us to be thankful. Help us, Adonai, to have gratitude for what you have done for us. Because you have pulled us out of hell. Everybody here, their story is different, but the story is the same story. We were in Egypt. Our fathers were oppressed. But by the blood of the Lamb, you have taken us out of slavery. And for that, I am grateful to you, Adonai. So help us, Adonai, to remember to be grateful for what you have given us. And that is independent of what our neighbor has or what the rich guy down the street has. exactly what you have given. So Lord, help us to remember to be grateful because if we are not grateful for what you have given us, then we are not really tithing. And we are not really giving according to your law. So thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. On my mother's side, my grandfather used to drive a cab in New York City. My mother also put herself through college. And thank you, Adonai, for where you've brought me, Lord God. Thank you, Adonai, that 20 years ago this week, 
I married my beloved. And I remember the jerk that I was back then. And I remember the jerk that I was back then. So thank you, Adonai. Because I don't forget the struggles I had, the sins I committed. Because you, Adonai, have brought me into a good land. You have kept your promise, Lord God. And I am so grateful. Thank you, Adonai.